0: On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and we are having a chat to the authors of the book Raising Girls Who Like Themselves. It's Casey Edwards and Christopher Scanlon. How are you guys?
1: Great. Clayton, thanks for having us on your show.
0: Thanks for having us on. Oh, look, it's absolutely wonderful, wonderful having you on. And uh, this is a topic that I'm very Mm -hmm. passionate about. I have a a couple of girls myself, uh, awesome twins, and uh, at, the, at the same time, I understand as I've got more and more into the, the, the world of uh, trying to, to grapple with what the girls are going through, that this is such an important topic. Before we sort of even get into some of the, the key things you've done and some of the research that you've looked into, um, where did the idea of this actually come from, Casey?
1: Well, after the birth of our first daughter, Violet, in 2009, we decided that we needed to do some research into working out how to actually be parents. So neither of us had even been in a room on our own with a child unsupervised before. And we were shocked, you know, in the hospital, you know, there are no instructions on the nappy box. Like we didn't even know how to put a nappy on. So it seemed scandalous that we had such a massive responsibility and we were so unprepared. So we decided, we are both researchers and writers, so we decided that we were going to work out how to be the best possible parents we could be. So we read everything that we could get our hands on, all the parenting books, we trawled through academic research. And because we're both journalists, we've got this privilege of being able to phone up the world's leading experts in childhood development and psychology and well-being and education and ask them our questions. And one day we were at a kid's birthday party and we were talking about our latest research and a friend said to us, I don't have time to read all of that can you just tell me what i have to do and that's when we decided that we would so we wanted to put all that we found well the research the answers that we had actually found into a book that would give parents who were busy and uh, had complicated lives some answers um, and a big part of what we realized was that we actually needed to start with a goal like what are we trying to achieve as parents? Because as you know, you know, you're far more likely to achieve a goal if you can state it. And all of our research led back to the same thing, that what we want for our girls is for them to like themselves, because absolutely everything that we hope and dream for them starts from them liking themselves.
0: Yeah. And is that something that is Even more specific for girls than boys in your research, or is that something that because obviously you're, you know, both your your daughters there. Here she is. She's 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 home now. That you went. Okay, that's just the focus that's going to be. Christopher, was there was there a sense that for you it was actually this is something we've we've done in the research. Girls are the one we really need to focus on.
2: I think I think we do. Look, I I think what I would say. I'd preface that by saying, look, I think a lot of the strategies that we found and that we report in the book will work equally well for boys but we're not the parents of boys so we really can't say that but i do think that girls face particular challenges so if you look at so many measures they are doing girls are doing so well you know and in some in some senses you know it's never been a better time in history to be a girl Um, you know there's so many opportunities that Um, exists now for girls that that just didn't, you know, uh, 20, 30, 50 years ago. So that's the good side. You know, you can see, you know, there's girls leading, you know, things uh, on trying to get change on climate change, those sorts of things, you know. So, so many good examples out there. But there's also a downside. And we're seeing all sorts of things like, you know, rates of anxiety amongst girls and young women, are through the roof. Um, we're seeing instances of self-harm, um, girls feeling um, that they don't really own their bodies, that they, you know, have to send when they get a little bit older, um, beyond the the tween years, or, um, that they kind of have to send sexy photos of themselves in order just for a boy to, you know, notice and talk to them. So. We do think that that is something which girls are really grappling with now. And I guess that's part of, you know, liking yourself. If you can develop that firm foundation, then, you know, you you can at least ward against some of those problems that are down the track.
0: Yeah. Um, I know that uh, Casey you guys said look we're going to focus on seven qualities um, in this book now we're obviously not going to be able to cover off all of them that's the point of a book right that's the (laughs) idea but um, are you able to to mention sort of what the seven qualities are and maybe we might just sort of jump into one or two of them and and talk a little bit more about them
1: yes sure so let me reel them off the first one is a power perspective now that's a word that we came up with um, but it pulls together a few um, concepts that exist in psychology an internal locus of control which is the idea that you have the power to control what happens in your life rather than deferring to powerful others like social media or friends or boyfriends Um, that and it's also about um, believing that you have the resources to cope no matter what happens in your life that you will actually be okay that's number one number two is body confidence and this is a big one for us because we believe that the advice that parents are getting to build their daughter's body confidence in many cases is wrong that not only is it not solving the solving body confidence the issue it's actually part of the problem so we talk about what real body confidence is and how to instill that the second one is body ownership that chris talked about the idea that if we can teach our girls young that they actually own their bodies and they get to decide where the boundaries are for them and we get them to practice in safe, in a safe environment while they're young they're going to be in a better position to deal with more threatening situations when they're teenagers and young women. The next one is mastery and independence. And that comes from the idea that the self-esteem movement that we had as kids growing up got it wrong. (laughs) Telling kids over and over again that they're awesome doesn't actually build self-esteem. Self-esteem comes from doing, it comes from mastery. And the road to mastery is actually paved with struggle. Like we have to let our kids struggle and fail and learn how to get back up again and fail well. The next one is calm. A girl who likes herself is calm. And that is as parents finding the courage to push back against this culture that tells us that our kids must be exceptional in order for us to be good parents. And about cramming as many experiences into them as possible. And that's creating stressed out, tired anxious kids and denying them the once in a lifetime opportunity of being kids and then the next one is a girl who likes herself is herself and that's about authenticity it's about Loving and nurturing the child that you have and helping them to grow into the best version of the person that they were born to be rather than trying to sculpt them into some preconceived idea of who they should be. Have I missed one?
2: Strong relationships. Ah,
1: uh, strong relationships. Okay. This one is the idea that, you know, people often assume that social skills just develop naturally and we don't have to teach them. But if you look around at some of your colleagues or perhaps your extended family you might think that maybe not everyone learnt those skills in the playground um, and so loneliness and the inability to form strong connections with people is as deadly as cancer. So we think that we shouldn't be leaving that to chance. We should be helping our girls develop strong relationships. And the added bonus of teaching your daughter relationship skills is that it will improve her relationship with you as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, what an incredible list, huh? that uh, idea of these seven qualities that uh, if we can be focused on and working on it as parents and as families together uh, we are going to uh, change for the better the way that our daughters are going to be uh, living in this world fantastic stuff we're going to come back in a couple of minutes time as we have a chat a little bit more with the authors of the book raising girls who like themselves and we might dip into a couple of those and start talking about some of the practical ideas that uh, we can do as parents here on 89.9 the light in conversation with Clayton 89.9 the light you're in conversation with Clayton and uh, the authors of the book uh, raising girls who like themselves uh, Casey and Christopher joining us at the moment uh, Casey Edwards Christopher Scanlon and uh, we've been talking about uh, the fact that you know as you guys had daughters uh, that suddenly you went we've got to we've got to start upskilling ourselves as parents and you mentioned you know you're both researchers and writers and journalists and so have this opportunity to go and base a whole lot of the work that you've done on research and we mentioned the seven qualities just before um that you're saying look this is what this book is about this is what we want to focus on this is how we believe that we can raise girls who like themselves and then they're going to be better women as they go into this world as well Uh, just before we dive into a couple of them um in terms of the research um how do you know as you go about it actually this is the best one that we should be focusing on Uh, this is part of your job this is part of what you do as journalists and researchers but i'm guessing there's a whole lot of reports out about what we should be doing with kids some that might even conflict so how did you even work out the 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 right resources to go to
2: i think it's um you know you just got to keep reading broadly um and really sort of keep going into a lot of the information and the depth of the information so For example, a lot of the studies you read, you're quite right, they do, you know, you can easily find a conflicting study and you kind of go and read it and go, well, um, you know, is this really talking about the whole child? So a lot of the research that you read now uh, on, you know, about children and raising children, there's a real focus on brains. And it's almost like they focus on, okay, just, Children are little people, little you know, life support systems for brains, (laughs) and the brain is the whole thing. And we kind of think, well, that's important, um, but there's also a whole person there, and you know, there's social, there's cultural, there's political, there's a whole lot of other things in the environment which kind of you know affect how we interact with each other, there's other people in that environment as well. And so, it's, okay, brains, studying the brain will get you so far and showing the different parts of the brain light up, but then you've got to think about kind of how does that actually pan out in the wider scheme of things? The other th- part of that is that we've kind of, you know, had access to people who, you know, a neurosurgeon, one of our friends, and he just admitted, it, look, we hardly know anything about the brain. We, yeah, we know that part lights up, we don't know what that means, um, you know. So often you read these books and they sound very convincing, and people make all sorts of claims. But then you actually look at the backgrounds of some of these people, and you talk to the people who actually, you know, actually cut skulls open, and they will tell you, "Yeah, it's kind of right, but it's also they're taking a bit of a leap in the dark there." So you've got to question a lot of this stuff, and you know, just because someone comes out with that latest greatest theory you've also got to put it in the context of, you know, all the other things you know as well, and just keep reading.
1: The other thing is that we really had to force ourselves to keep an open mind, Mm. because often we parent as we were parented. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure the listeners will identify with this, that, you know, you bring your kid home from hospital, and then suddenly all these things just start falling out of your mouth that your parents said to you 30 years earlier, And it's almost like it bypasses your brain. They just tumble out. And so a big part of us was realizing that if we want to break this cycle with girls, with their low self-esteem and the crisis that girls are facing, we are going to have to do something different. And in order to do something different, we have to really get very conscious and honest with ourselves about how we were parented and how we are parenting and make a conscious decision about what baggage we want to keep from our childhood and what we want to dump and we found along the way that a lot of our baggage we couldn't drop but being conscious of it meant that we could choose not to unpack it in front of our kids
0: yeah yeah i I remember when uh, my wife and i got married and then when also when we had the kids we actually did a a series where we wrote down all the great things of our parents' marriage and all the things we didn't like. And then we did the same thing with parenting. And we actually sat down and we said, right, what do we want to include in? What do we want to include out? And it, we didn't get it perfect and we still don't get it perfect. But it, I agree with you. It was just the ability to say, actually, this is the top of mind thing that, well, this is how we're going to deal with this rather than just let it come out. And it's so important, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that's a wonderful process. And then also just to get on the same page as your par- as, as your partner. Because yeah. we had similar backgrounds, but there were differences. Mm-hmm. And to actually just have a conversation about what values we're going to prioritise in raising our kids together yeah. is um, hugely beneficial.
0: Absolutely. Now, let's talk about a, a couple of these ones. We, we, we've chosen body confidence and calm. So we might start with the body confidence one. I think, Casey, you're going to talk to us a little bit about Uh, some of the 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 practical things that parents can do as they raise their daughters uh, and talking about this body confidence and a couple of minutes ago you actually said you think a whole lot of the way it's been taught previously has been wrong so I'm very fascinated (laughs) to hear what you say
1: okay so with body confidence there is this idea that you can give someone body confidence but give a child give a grown woman body confidence by telling them over and over again that they are beautiful So we actually last year heard one of Australia's leading experts in raising girls tell a packed audience of parents that they needed to tell their daughter more that she was beautiful. But I would ask every woman listening right now to think about how many times in your life you have been told that you are beautiful. I'm talking about our best friends trying to boost up our confidence all those lovely tiles on social media, promoting body confidence, the campaigns by soap companies telling us to love the skin we're in. You know, we have been told thousands of times that we are all beautiful, but yet many women's body image is certainly not what it could be. Like it actually affects their quality of life. So my question in, my first question I had when we were working through this chapter in the book was if this doesn't work for us, this, Idea of telling someone over and over again that they're beautiful. Why on earth would we expect that? It's going to work for our girls and The conclusion that we came with is that there's two problems with this approach one is that No one in our culture in today's society is beautiful enough The standards of beauty are so high and so changeable that everyone from supermodels to super moms Everyone fails in the beauty game. You cannot win it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that if you tell someone over and over again that they are beautiful, if you say that to a girl, then she will start to believe that it is really important. You say it enough and she will believe that it is the most important thing about her. And we realized with our own girls that if we put together every compliment that was ever said to our girls, they had more comments about their beauty and their appearance than everything else combined. And this is setting our girls up for failure. We tell them that beauty is the most important thing about them, but yet we also know that they're never going to be beautiful enough in today's society. So with that combination, how can a girl possibly like herself? So that led us to realize that real body confidence is not about a girl being beautiful. It's not even about a girl believing that she's beautiful. It's about her not caring that much whether or not she is beautiful, that she builds her self-worth and her identity on a firmer foundation than other people's perception of her beauty. And I'll give you three strategies. I mean, there are many th- things that we need to do to arm our girls against the, the beauty culture because it's so strong. But here's three things that um, your audience can do right now. The first one is limit the comments that you make about your daughter's beauty now this doesn't mean that you can't ever tell your daughter she's beautiful you know our girls know that we think they're beautiful but they also know that we don't care that it's not important to us of all the things that we love and value about our girls beauty is not even on the list okay so that's the first one talk to your girls about the things that they do and their values and who they are the second one is to stop talking about the appearance of bodies in front of your children. Your own bodies, their bodies, other people's bodies. And that's positive or negative. So even positive comments about bodies reinforce to children that beauty is really important and that they're constantly being judged and measured by how they look. So that's the first two. The third one is tricky. (laughs) The third one is to get the village on board. So we found that while we stopped the conversations about beauty and appearance, it was happening around us, with particularly certain members of our family, like our parents are of the generation where they uh, measure and regard everyone in terms of how much weight they have lost and gained. So, we've had to have a very awkward conversation, and I'm not going to lie, this was not easy, conversations with certain members of our family to say Please don't talk about appearance in front of our girls. So, look, my mum flat out does not agree with us. She thinks that, you know, complimenting someone on losing weight is like the the highest compliment you can give someone. And so I've had to say, look, mum, that's fine. Like, be nice to whoever you want, but please don't be that kind of nice in front of my girls. And look, it's really hard to have those conversations but it is so important grandparents in particular have huge influence over children's body images because you know they're granny you know that children love grandma and really value what she says so it's very important to get the village to help you build your your daughter's body confidence. Yeah.
0: What incredible advice and ideas. I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, uh, Christopher and and Casey, you're right to stick around for one more break and we'll we'll discuss calm as well. We'll pick out that one. Is that all right?
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Awesome. We're having a chat to the authors of the book, Raising Girls Who Like Themselves. Isn't this just a fantastic conversation? Uh, We're going to be back talking about how do we help our girls Uh, as they are calm about life. That's on the way next year on 89.9, The Light.
2: In conversation with Clayton.
0: On Melbourne's positive alternative, 89.9, The Light, you're with Clayton as we have a chat to the authors of the book, Raising Girls Who Like Themselves, Casey Edwards, Christopher Scanlon. Um, and we've been talking about, as they've re- raised their daughters, uh, they went, look, we've got to, We've got to write this book. We've got to do some research. We've got to understand. They've given seven qualities, uh, as we talked about, that they focus on in this book, all grounded in research. And we've talked about uh, those already. We've really dug into one of them. We want to dig into another one now, Christopher, around calm. So the idea of... Um, teaching somebody calm in the first place is an interesting idea and especially our our kids and our girls what do you mean by that
2: well it's kind of getting away from something that i think has kind of crept in over the last 10 20 years into parenting where you know you have to kind of open up all these opportunities for children and i think we kind of equate you know good parenting now with uh, you know, extracurricular activities and kind of, and you as a parent, uh, you know, end up as a bit of an Uber driver, going ferrying children from one, you know, extracurricular activity to another um, throughout the week. And you know we, know we know of families who, you know, don't get into, with young children, don't get into seven, eight um, at night. They're feeding the kids in the car on the way early in the morning or late at night. And this comes, I think, from a real place of love, you know I think parents want to do the best for their kids, and I think with daughters in particular, um you know there's a concern, oh you know um girls have been, and women have been uh, shut out from these activities a very long time, we really want to allow our kids to experience all of the, the, what the world has to offer, and we really want to make put our, our, our kids, and particularly girls, on that path to success. So I think it comes from a really great place, but I do wonder whether it's gone too far in the other direction. And we're not giving kids that time to be to have that downtime and that time out even where they get to know themselves so they're always on they're always performing they're sort of overloaded and i think that thing that comes back to that you know our standard for being a good parent now uh is having an exceptional child that there's almost an arms race you know to kind of pack in so much to to the week and we're trying to cram in so much for, for our kids but i think that the flip side of that is kids never get to know who they are and that time alone for introspection for reflection for you know getting to know who they are and what they want to do rather than what our dreams and future is for our kids so i think one of the things you know to do uh, one of the strategies we suggest is doing a bit of a stock take you know over the course of the week of how many activities have you got your kids involved with Um, which ones do you want to really really prioritise? And we've had to have those conversations with our daughters where they want to do everything because they hear about what their friends are doing um, and say, no, no, you're going to do these activities. You've got these choices and if you want to drop one, sorry, if you want to take up a new one, you're going to have to drop one and they're going to have to make some choices about those activities. The other thing is to allow kids to play. And when you say play, people will say, oh, no, I allow my child to play. But often it's a thinly disguised learning activity. Whereas play in the true sense is, it doesn't actually have a name. It doesn't have an outcome. It doesn't have, it's not about future employability or skills or all the rest of it. It's just thinking, no, just want to play. And that's how kids learn. Um, and that's, in fact, I actually think that's how adults learn as well. Um, you know, we, we play best when we're just kind of getting lost in the moment. We're not thinking about the winning or the, the, the eventual uh, outcome of something, if we're just kind of playing and in the moment. And we, that's what we want for our kids to allow them to do that. And um, I would also say, allow them that time out. So one of the things parents are really fearful around now is, is screen time. Um, and, you know, there is, there is some reason for that. You know, we're worried about, we don't want kids too early going to social media, but it, it flips over into, oh no, we don't want our kids you know, um, watching telly at all or anything like that or playing computer games just amongst themselves. Um, and the, you know there seems to be evidence to say that's a really bad thing. Well, if you look at that evidence, it's actually not very strong. It's based on pretty um, uh, low level, low strength evidence. And if you actually look at the UK, the, pe- uh, the pediatricians, the psychologists, they actually don't give time limits for screen because they say the evidence is just so poor that they can't recommend it. And their advice, which I think is far more practical for parents, particularly, you know, when we've just come out of homeschooling and all the other things, is if your child is doing everything they need to be doing, if they're kind of, you know, getting in their activity in the day, they're doing well
0: at school, then don't worry so much about screens. That's great. Uh, a couple of things jump out for me as you, you, you talk about that there too. Uh, one is a, a statement I heard once where someone was talking about the fact that it's okay for kids to be bored. Like actually boredom is f- let them be bored for a while because eventually they come up with something that they've developed themselves and they're, they've they had a bit of fun and they're fighting with each other with you know toilet brushes or something. Who cares? Like it doesn't matter. It's It's about... Boredom's actually a really important part. And I think that's part of being calm, isn't it? Actually, we just, my kids are always asking, what are we doing today? We're doing, actually, we're not really doing much for the next few hours. You can just do whatever you want. That's okay. Um, and, and I think an interesting one you also mentioned, um, which I think was something we, we should all question is that arms race um, that you talked about. And its it feels like we, at times as parents, disguise what our kids are doing, but it's actually about ourselves. It's actually about us wanting to get to the end and saying, actually i've tooled them up with all the things that they need so it's actually about me rather than about them and i think that's a real challenge for me as i I heard you speak to go oh make sure that i'm i'm doing it for the right reasons um and that's a really interesting one for parents i think to to grapple with
2: and it is look and i i say again you know this is often comes from a real place of love it's really opening up those opportunities for for our kids and we really want the best for them but we've got to think about is that actually doing the best for them because we've been told that that's what good parenting looks like
0: yeah now i want to ask you guys you, you've you spent a heap of time doing research uh you've got a real passion for it you've been able to do it together as well which is something i reckon quite special too in that regards um what was the the number one thing that as you did all of this you, this research for the book looked at all this that you went oh my we're going to have to change this as as parenting ourselves Was there something that sort of jumped out at you
1: Yes, and and it's very overarching and we talk about this um, in the chapter of A Girl Who Likes Herself Is Herself. It's the idea that we realise there's two kinds of parents and both of them come from love. There's the stone parents and the seed parents. Now we started off as stone parents. Now stone parent is where you have this idea of what the perfect child should be and you've got your chisel and you're chipping away to create that child and then the seed parent Is it has more trust in it and it's about creating the perfect environment or the best environment that you can for your child to grow and bloom in their own way and in their own time and for us we needed we had to put down our chisels and pick up our watering cans and actually really love and nurture the unique qualities and strengths of the beautiful children that we have and let go of this vision that we had before they were even born of the kids that we were going we thought we were going to get
0: yeah i i love that um that's a, a moment that uh, we've had to do very recently as we realized as a part of our kids world that um, both my wife and i uh, were, were very much a part of and we went that's never gonna happen Like and it was this moment of sadness in a sense that we thought this was going to be a part of the world that our whole our kids were going to go to but it's just not the way they are and we had to go all right put that in. but that but that was a bit of grieving to go through as we went through that
1: yeah i think that's a really important yeah. thing that we as parents need to start talking about that grief is actually part of the process of parenting and that's okay Um, There's nothing to be ashamed about in that. But what we do need to do is deal with that grief and reconcile our disappointment because our kids need us to nurture who they are.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, Final question for me, because we've had a heap of your time. So thank you so much. Um, But I really am fascinated by this. And I think hopefully as people are listening, we're going to be able to be better parents uh, overall as we go forward final question for me as somebody sort of finishes reading these as the seven qualities they've put the book aside um what are you hoping that they're they're walking away with what what's the the action the thought the concept what are you really hoping as that last page sort of gets flipped over
1: i would like i hope for confidence and reassurance you know there's a lot of fear about what's going to happen to our girls and we had it too and we want our book to provide clarity, a clarity of path. This is what you can do and you, to build a girl who likes herself and then you can be more hopeful for her future.
0: Um, Christopher, is there anything from your perspective or is that sort of the same idea as well?
2: I think there's really two things. It's it's, it's about, there's a series of practical strategies. Something we, we really wanted to do in the book was, you know, it wasn't just to be a, a theoretical take, here's all what the research says, but let's actually, you know, Say what these. What, what could be some real practical strategies that you could do immediately, or you know, in the coming weeks, months. But also, if they don't work, here's some foundational principles to go back with. Because not every one of our strategies is going to work in your family, in every family. But let's go back to the basic principle and let's work from that. So hopefully, it. it, it, it um, if nothing else, it inspires that those conversations with partners, with families. Um, and that thought process about you know what could we do differently and, and what's not working and what is working.
0: Yeah, wonderful stuff. Well we wish you all the best with raising girls who like themselves. I'm sure it's going to help so many people uh, as certainly as hopefully even this interview has as well. so uh, good luck with that and I'm sure we'll we'll be hearing more uh, from you guys in, in this area as we go forward uh, in time as well. but thank you so much for your time. Thank you Clayton.
1: Thanks Clayton.
0: Christopher Scanlon and Casey Edwards, the authors of the book Raising Girls Who Like Themselves, here on 89.9 The Light.